Hey there, this is Emily Hoover, and we are so glad that you are listening to the Mission Point Community Church podcast. It's our prayer that this helps you grow in your relationship with Jesus and encourages you to show and share the love of Jesus everywhere you go. Thanks for tuning in. Now let's dive into the message. Man, I love that passage of scripture that the kids read to us in the the video, and I'm going to read it again. This is the heart of Christmas. This is the message of Christmas. And here's what it says. The angels speaking to shepherds in a field. The angel of the Lord said to them, the shepherds, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Today, In the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. What a message. Because Jesus has been born, great joy is available to all people, which is great news because all people means you. Great joy is available to you. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter where you're from. Great joy is available to you. It doesn't matter what you've been through. It doesn't matter what you're going through right now. Great joy is available to you. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter what's been done to you. Great joy is available to you because Jesus Christ was born on Christmas Day. It doesn't matter what messes you've made or what mistakes you've made, great joy is available to you because Jesus was born and he loves to meet us in our messes and cover over our mistakes. Because Jesus came into this world, your story can be invaded by great joy. That is good news no matter who you are and especially If you are walking through a difficult season of life, great joy is available to you. But just in case you doubt that, just in case you believe you might be the exception, you don't understand my story, you don't know what I've been through, you don't know what I'm going through right now, I thought, man, it's a great idea for us to revisit the events leading up to Christmas to see this very thing played out. Luke chapter 2, verse 1, here's what it says. Events leading up to the birth of Jesus. In those days, Caesar Augustus, he issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to their town to register. When Jesus was born, um, the Roman Empire was the global superpower of the day. They had pretty much conquered the entire world. They were in charge of the entire world. And the guy who ruled the empire that ruled the entire world was a man by the name of Caesar. Caesar Augustus, bad dude. At some point, Caesar made a decision and uh, he wanted everybody in the world uh, to drop what they were doing and to go to their family's town of origin to register, to mark themselves present and update all of their contact information. And uh, the thing about being the most powerful man on the planet is everybody does exactly what you want. 
And so Caesar Augustus made a decision, and his decision became a decree. It became a law that everybody had to follow or else they died. And this particular law said no matter where you are, you've got to travel back to your family city of origin and register and give your information, whether you like it or not. And in case you're curious to know the reason why Caesar Augustus made this decree was he wanted to count how many people he ruled over. He wanted to know how many people he was in charge of so that he knew exactly how much money he was going to make when he squeezed them and made them pay more taxes. But in order to make them pay more taxes, he wanted to know how many people they were. And so to know how many people they were, he wanted everybody to go to their towns to register. This whole thing was so that he could become richer and more powerful by making people pay more taxes. And Caesar, he didn't care. He didn't care about your family plans. He didn't care about your work projects. He didn't care about your health problems. Drop what you're doing and drag yourself to your hometown. Mark yourself safe from not paying taxes. He wasn't asking anyone's permission, wasn't consulting anyone's schedule. I don't know if you knew, but that's how the Christmas story starts with a dirty decree that everybody had to follow. That's how the story of the greatest joy starts, a dirty mandate that everybody had to follow. Verse number four. So Joseph Jesus' earthly father also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. And he went there to register with Mary, Jesus' mother, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. Ouch. So here's Mary. Um, She's in Nazareth at her house, uh, a teenager in the ninth month of her pregnancy. Um, And I, I I realize it is very dangerous for me as a man to start to make guesses about what she was experiencing as a pregnant woman. But research and observation firsthand, uh, might suggest that maybe Mary was not entirely comfortable at this point in her pregnancy. Maybe doing a little nesting, uh, getting the house or the home ready for the birth of her baby boy who could be here at any time. Ah, probably not sleeping the greatest. Maybe a little swelling in her ankles. I don't know if she, she knew because she hadn't seen those suckers for a while. Move on, preacher. Move on. I'm just trying to say this was not the most cushy situation and season of life for Mary. Um, And maybe like someone whose pregnancy I got to experience um, as a firsthand observer, she was at the point where she was like, somebody get this thing out of me. Thankfully, she's surrounded by a great supporting system, you know, the family and friends, people who had gone through this um, before and were journeying alongside her in the middle of this less than comfortable situation. And it is right then that Joseph steps into the room and he announces, road trip. I'm just saying, if you read the Bible, like in real time with real humans in the story, can you even imagine for Joseph having to deliver this bad news? 
Caesar Augustus, he has dirty decreed that everyone needs to go to register so um, that he can tax us for more money. And for us, I'm sorry, sweetheart, that means Bethlehem. I wish I had a choice, but it is a decree, and the decree is a law, and we have no choice. It is out of our hands. And I can imagine Mary's like, what? You have got to be kidding me. Can this wait? He didn't consult our schedules, our dreams, our plans. The decree has come in, and we've got to do it. And so days away from giving birth, Mary and Joseph pack up and they leave their family. They leave their little support system and take this 90-mile trip, most likely on a bumpy donkey's back. It would have taken them at least four days, which means at least three nights. Mary would have slept in a more uncomfortable situation than her bed was during that season of her life in the great outdoors. This would have been scary. This would have been uncomfortable. This would have been undesirable, inconvenient, all the things. And I imagine Joseph is probably struggling with a little bit of guilt, maybe even some shame, because this was his trip. Bethlehem were his people. This was his family. But because of Mary's relationship to him, she now has to go along. But Caesar has decreed it, and his decree is final. There is nothing they could do to stop this unwanted and inconvenient interruption to their plans. This is not how Mary dreamed of becoming a mother to Jesus. This is not how Joseph envisioned being a man who took care of his family, but it was out of their control. And oh, by the way, for some of you, you can relate all too closely to this story, to the start of this Christmas story. Matter of fact, the fact that you can relate to this is one of the reasons you say great joy cannot be for me. You don't know what my story is like. Life feels right now like a powerful dictator making dirty decrees and telling me what I need to do, and now I have no choice, and I'm found in this situation I didn't ask for. Life did not consult my plans, did not ask my dreams. Here it is mandated to me, and I have to live in this reality. I didn't choose this, and yet here I am. Don't you sit up there talking about great joy. Completely unwanted season, completely unwelcome, but it didn't consult you about it. Your life has become running from one appointment to another appointment, to, 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 to one prescription, to another prescription because of this dirty decree diagnosis that's now become a part of your life. You didn't ask for it. You, like Joseph, may even feel a little bit of guilt, shame. If when I was seven years old, I just had done things a little differently, then maybe I wouldn't be in this situation. So maybe this is my fault somehow, but now it is out of my hands. Suddenly the holidays have come around and you have to choose between family because of a fight that you had nothing to do with, like a dirty decree situation. And here we are in the middle of this. You fully expected that you'd be going back to the job you love. You didn't see it coming, but life decreed and completely took the choice out of your 
hands. You had no thought that that loved one would be missing from the family table this holiday season. But it felt like life made a dirty decree, and yet here we are nursing guilt that, and nursing pain and sorrow and, and heartache or whatever it might be, and we did not ask to be in this situation. I'm just saying. Jesus is born, and great joy is available in your story. The story of the greatest joy started with the greatest inconvenience, with disrupted plans, and a dictator's dirty decree. Dirty decrees do not get to stop great joy from entering your story. And here's one reason I know that to be true. Luke chapter 2, verse 4, look at what it says. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. I just came to preach some hope of great joy to somebody this morning, because did anyone see the decree in Luke chapter 2, verse 4? that Joseph went from Nazareth to Bethlehem on this unwanted, unwelcomed trip. Why? Because of the decree? Yep. Because of Caesar's decree? Nope. I'm not talking about that decree. I'm talking about this decree. This is Micah, Old Testament, Micah chapter 5, verse 2. Woo, this is so good. It says this, but you... Bethlehem, Ephrathah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you, O little town of Bethlehem, will come for me, this is God speaking, one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from old, from ancient times. Woo! What is that, you ask? Great question. Oh, that is God's decree. Oh, the Bible is so good. This, Micah chapter 5, verse 2, this is when God predicted where Jesus, the hope of the world, would be born. 700 years before Mary and Joseph. Seven centuries before the first Christmas. And of all the glorious towns for God to predict 700 years ahead of time that joy would come into this world, of all of the glamorous towns in the world, he chose, oh, little town of Bethlehem. That was his prediction. And I know cynics will sometimes say, like, but that could have been any Bethlehem. Just a lucky prediction. It could have been any Bethlehem. Yeah, but he specifies Ephrathah. There is no other Bethlehem by that name on the planet. Maybe he's predicting the birth of a different ruler. I mean, it could be any ruler. I mean, maybe. But 2,700 years later, still doing pretty well because there's only ever been one person born in Bethlehem who's ever even been accused of being any kind of a ruler or any kind of a messiah. Just one. 
Um, yeah, maybe just a lucky, again, one of those lucky guesses you, you never know. Yeah, but I mean, no one is guessing the greatest leader will come out of an insignificant town, especially not at the time that this was predicted. When this prediction was made 700 years before the birth of Jesus Christ, Israel was in trouble. They were about to be overthrown, overtaken by the Assyrian Empire. They were in a powerless state. This is not the time you start calling predictions and shots. Yeah, but out of little town in this conquered nation will come the greatest leader in the world. This would have been a bad time to start talking about this. And this would have been the last town in the world anyone would guess. Just you wait, major revolution is coming to this world and it shall emerge from Packerton, Indiana. Like again, it's a pop can revolution. Like listen, nothing against Packerton, I'm just saying to you, if you were guessing great leaders and great, that's probably not the town you would guess. 700 years ahead of time. Oh no. God had made a decree in eternity past and 700 years before Christmas, he called his shot ahead of time and predicted the exact place where Messiah would be born and hope and joy would come into this world. And I don't know if you knew, but when God decrees something, everything under his rule must cooperate. It is going to happen exactly as God said it was going to happen. That's so good. I'm talking about God's decree. Mary is about to give birth to Jesus as predicted 700 years beforehand, the Savior, the hope of the world. Joy into our stories. Problem anyone? Yep. Mary is 90 miles north in the town of Nazareth. She is comfortable and nesting, except not very comfortable, with no plans of going anywhere. Joseph is busy in the carpentry shop, and he's chiseling a rocking chair or, or baby crib or whatever he's doing in there. He has no plans of making any moves or any road trips anytime soon. Why would he? And so in comes Caesar. I am the most powerful man in the world. And I just came up with an epic decree seven minutes ago to rule the world even more, and I get what I want. I hereby decree. <laughs> oh, man. And God's up in heaven saying, oh, no, this powerful chap. He's foiling our plans. Nope. God is up in heaven, and I know this is not what he's saying, but if I were writing the story, it'd be like, oh, Caesar, you're just a small part in a much bigger salad. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> Come on, you're just a pawn in my plan, Caesar. My 700-year-old epic prediction trumps your little seven-minute-old decree. I made the call to move Mary and Joseph to the designated place at the designated time so that my decree would be fulfilled and hope would be born and brought into this world exactly where I want, when I want, how I want. Thank you, Caesar, for playing along. 
Now I'm just trying to tell you, there are degrees of decrease. And right now in the middle of your painful season that you didn't plan and the disruption you couldn't predict and the heartache that you felt powerless against, there are two decrees. There is Caesar's decree and there is God's decree. And the question of great joy comes down to which decree are you going to pay more attention to? Because if you're not careful, you will spend all of your energy devastated by Caesar's decree that he came up with yesterday and you miss God's decree for your life, which he decreed in eternity past that your story should include and lead to great joy. Which decree will you pay more attention Caesar's or God's? Christmas is Jesus coming into the world to introduce us to God's ancient decree of great joy for all people, and that includes you and your story. And if you read the Christmas story through the lenses of Caesar's decree, it's actually a pretty sad story. All of these inconveniences and all of these things and how hard it must have been because it was. So why are we throwing this massive celebration around Christmas? Because we read the story through the lenses of God's decree. God was moving pieces, moving Mary and Joseph to bring them to the designated place where he intended to introduce joy into their story and joy into the world. The question is, which decree are you paying more attention to? Whose version of your story are you reading most loudly. There is pain in your family because of something someone in your family did. Feels like a dirty decree, okay? But what's God's decree? In the middle of job struggles, what might God's decree be? Because his decree says great joy but I don't see how there can be great joy in the middle of all of this mess. Again, which version of the story, which decree are you reading it through? Because God's decree is a decree of joy. There's loss in this season, and if you only look at it through Caesar's decree, you will miss the hope of God's decree. We're transferring you to Warsaw. No, not that Warsaw. The one without a Chick-fil-A and some brutal winters every now and then. Yay. I messed up. I shouldn't have said that. And you can spend all your time, my Caesar CEO, and he transferred us, and it's terrible. That's one version. That's one decree. You got broken up with, and you just knew this was the relationship of your dream. Caesar! And nothing seems to be able to stop the tears from falling. And it's a wrap. I thought our marriage was great. I was even out in the shed making an anniversary gift and suddenly interrupted by the D word. 
decree. Question is, which decree? Will you bank on God's decree or Caesar's? I don't know if you knew how we read the Christmas story. It's from the vantage point of God's decree. It's not ultimately about what they did. It's ultimately about what God was doing. Verse 6, while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she, Mary, gave birth to her firstborn, a son. No gender reveal party necessary, no ultrasound. She knew no one was surprised. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in an animal feeding trough in a manger because there was no guest room available for them anywhere, apparently. And that's how hope and joy came into this world. That's how Jesus was born. That's how God fulfilled his glorious decree and prediction. A desperate and displaced, pregnant teenager breaking water and contractions with no one to offer her a comfortable space to give birth. She most likely gave birth surrounded by animals. And then she places the most important baby born, the predicted one, the decreed one, the source of joy, and she puts him in a trough that animals eat out of. Can you even imagine? That's a Christmas story. That's a Christmas story. Can you even imagine that? Because how many of you know, if God is powerful enough to predict 700 years ahead of time exactly where the baby would be born, how many of you know he is powerful enough to make some Ritz-Carlton reservations? And if God is going to roll out the red carpet for the birth of any child, wouldn't it be his own? I mean, if anybody is going to get the royal treatment, won't it be his royal son? He could have sent an army of midwives and a chariot of epidurals if you're into that kind of thing. He had all the time. If you had 700 years to plan this, at least. And the baby was born with animals and put in a trough? What? Of all the ways Jesus could have come into the world stinky and brutal and lonely, and there's no place for you, I'm sorry. Go hang out with the animals. What? Now I'm just talking to you in case, great joy, not for me. If God really loved me, it wouldn't be this messy. Excuse me? Have you read the Christmas story? This is the one that God loved. This is my son whom I love. You're going to let him roll like this? Now I'm talking to you. There is no way joy can come out of this rejection. There was no place for Jesus to be born. Closed door, closed door. All these closed doors in my life don't talk to me about great joy. I'm just saying read the Christmas story. If it was God's will, it wouldn't feel this lonely. No? Now I'm talking to those of you who say, I am too messy 
and I've made too much of a stink of my life. There is no way great joy can enter my story. And I'm like, have you read the Christmas story? Jesus was born in the mess, in the middle of the stink, and put in a trough. Merry Christmas. If your story is messy, good, that's just the kind of place joy likes to make itself at home. You qualify for the greatest joy. That's the kind of place God is like, I know where I want my son to be born with 700 years to plan. Right there in the middle of the mess. God has decreed great joy in Jesus. And I'm talking to some of you who are walking through seasons right now where you're like, mm, no way not for me. Nothing is going well, nothing will ever will. That's Caesar's decree. God's decree, Romans chapter 8, verse 28. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who've been called according to his purpose. Which decree? All this will ever be is pain. And that's, that's one version of the story. God says, 2 Corinthians 4, 17 through 18, our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that will far outweigh them all. Mary, sweetheart, when we look back at this story, woo! I don't want to hear that right now. Fair, but it's still true. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. God is working on something glorious because of Jesus. There's nothing good in this grief and loss. That's one version of the story. 2 Corinthians 1, 3, and 4. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion, the God of all comfort. He comforts us in our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received. God is making you a comforted comforter. Wait, there's joy in this? There's purpose in some of this? There is no smiling in this struggle. Well, James 1, 2, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when you face trials of many kinds because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. He is making you stronger than you would ever have been in Nazareth. Whose decree? This will only be good when the pain is over. Oh, 2 Corinthians 12, 8, three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me, but he said, my grace is sufficient for my power is made perfect in the middle of your weakness. I'll meet you in the pain, in the mess. I've messed up too badly. I've sinned too much. That's man's decree. God's decree, 2 Corinthians 5, 21, God made him, Jesus, who had no sin, to be sin for us, so that in him, Jesus, we might become the righteousness of God. 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just and will forgive us of our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. I will meet you in your mess. I will carry it for you, and then I'll cleanly, clean you completely of the mess that you've made, if you would just bring it to me. Great joy for all people, and you are no exception. The question is, whose decree will you believe? 
I'm going through too much of a painful situation. There's no joy in this. That's not God's decree. I've sinned too much. I've messed up too much. There's no way forgiveness is for me. There is great joy in the forgiveness that's freely offered. Jesus will come into the middle of your sinful mess, carry it, clean you up, and make you righteous. And all you have to do is say, I choose to believe your decree. What's it going to be? Jesus, thank you so much for bringing a different story, a different decree, and joy that can be true in the midst of our mess and our brokenness. We thank you for it. I pray for those who are going through pain or those who are maybe struggling with the weight of their sin, that because Jesus came into this world as our Savior, he can heal and he can restore and he can cleanse us. And so I just pray that we would say yes to your version of the story. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks so much for tuning in to today's message. We hope to see you next Sunday. We would love to personally invite you to one of our services at 9 and 1045 a.m. in the Performing Arts Center in Warsaw Community High School at One Tiger Lane in Warsaw, Indiana. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please make sure to subscribe, review, and connect with us on social media by following Mission Point CC. You can also contribute to what God is doing through Mission Point. Simply visit missionpoint.net slash give and give a gift today. Thanks again for joining us. Have a great week.